0: For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ryan Carver. I'm one of the elders here at Gulf Coast. And I also want to make sure I say that if you're new here, we are just so excited for you to be here this morning. And uh, hopefully even during this five-minute break that we had, uh, somebody crossed over the room and um, greeted you, maybe even met you and got to know you a little better. And I just think how, as a church, we should be, as the people of God, we should be some of the most welcoming people on the face of this earth. We've been brought into the family of God. And so we will, I mean, even leaving our friends to go and, and greet someone who we don't know is a picture of God who um, invites us in to his family with open arms. So Jerry's on vacation with Donna and uh, somewhat of an anniversary trip. Uh, Jerry got sick right before his last trip, and so they rescheduled, so so, uh, and it was his birthday on Thursday. So. And uh, he's been leading us through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're in a sermon series called Kingdom Imagination, and the goal of this series is really to give us a vision of God's rule over our lives, his rule and reign, and, and just what that looks like uh, over this world, for our lives, and uh, to give us a picture of the reality of God and, and what he's doing. His kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying his kingdom will come and sing Pete as it is in heaven. That's right. And so anyway, my, my goal today is really just to piggyback off of uh, his last message titled, Why Do I Keep Doing the Things I Do? from Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. And we have five missional priorities here at Gulf Coast. Uh, it's gospel formation, gospel culture, gospel mercy, Gospel outreach and gospel unity. And today we're really gonna focus on and grasp this priority of gospel formation formation, gospel formation uh, for our lives and, and for us as a church, the people of God. So I think many of us in this room today, if we're honest, our expectations of Christianity, and even our expectations of of what Christians would look like have somewhat been let down at times. I think that we've seen people confessing the name of Jesus, and yet they almost look nothing like Jesus. They act nothing like Jesus. It's Jesus that they claim to follow. And many of us in this room this morning... I believe, uh, have not seen the benefits of following Jesus. Maybe you haven't seen what you've been hoping for. There's some in this room that are apathetic to the things of God. There's, maybe you came here and yet the 166 hours of the week I mean, have just been toward other ambitions. Maybe some of you have walked in with baggage and You just can't seem to shake it. Your problems, your anxieties, they're consuming you. You're like barely hanging on. Some of us are are plagued today with sinful habits. You may feel like you're just too far gone for God to pull you out or too broken for God to heal. And then there's those in the room where the psalmist says, tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And some of you have you're clinging on to that taste that you had one day. And then there's some who that's a a very recent taste, a very recent experience. Daily experience. But what I know for certain is that God is on the move. And he promises to make all things new and one day he's gonna restore this broken world including our relationships with one another and he's starting with a problem originated, us. He's gonna transform us from the inside out to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. We live in this world, it's, it's so messed up and yet God is working to bring shalom, peace. He's going to make things the way they should be. And and like I said, he's starting with us. And as we've learned in Ephesians, he's forming a family, the people of God, adopted as his children. This is his church. And he's reconciling all things to him through the saving work of Jesus and the power of his spirit, the spirit that comes and lives inside of us, as Becca even read earlier. So today, let's consider what God is saying to us because the reality is it's hard to live out this reality that we know sometimes. These truths we know, but it's hard to live them out. Some would say their faith is strong in this room but you know those temptations are all around to kind of pull you off, to set you off course. So as we consider what God is saying today regarding becoming like Jesus in this broken world, we're gonna have three points, kind of four. God provides everything we need. We need a reformed vision, a reformed life, and we'll conclude talking about a transformed heart or transformed desires. So let's pray. God, as we're gathered together today, you've brought us here. You've called us here in some ways, God. You've brought us united now in this moment, and you are uniting your people in Christ. We each are serving one another in various ways this morning, whether it's through how we've we've proclaimed your truths in song, whether it's how we've greeted somebody, Or even now, God, as you speak through me and the congregation is is responding and listening. God, your word is going forth. May your word go forth and bring life and direct our eyes to Jesus. May your spirit do his supernatural work. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. We're starting verse 3. I'm just going to read it through and then we'll pick some certain parts out of it as we go. Peter says this. His, that's God's, divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you, we, may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, They will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. So therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. He goes on right here, therefore I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. So that's my goal today. Is to remind you of these things. So it starts out in the beginning of verse 3. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. God's divine power. The power that comes from God himself is giving everything we need, is provided for us, and we know that it's God. It's God through his spirit who causes us to be born again, he gives us new life. And we also know there's verses like Philippians 1.16 that say, he, that's God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Many of us are clinging to that verse. Many of us have a hope in that verse. Oh, God, transform me. I'm a work in progress. And We also know that God uses trials in our lives. In Romans 5, Paul says, we also boast in our afflictions because we know the afflict- that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. Many of us are going through a lot of afflictions right now. Be reminded that he's molding and shaping us in those Hard times. Romans 8 talks about how the, the sufferings of the world, it's just packed in that chapter. And, he, and, and Paul says in Romans, amidst all those sufferings, he is working all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. And he goes on and says, he's conforming them into the image of Jesus. He's shaping them to look like Jesus, even in the suffering. James says in chapter one, two, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, God is forming a people who would display his glory to the ends of the earth and he's conforming us into his image and shaping us to look more and more like Jesus he's taking rebels who want to be their own kings and he's turning them into faithful followers who will bow down to Jesus as king they'll bow down to Jesus as king their voices will go out proclaiming his name and they their person their their being their lives will proclaim that he is king as well but we all know that there's forces that are just kind of pushing against this whole thing of what God is doing. They're in conflict to what he's doing. And that's why we need gospel formation. It's one of our missional priorities because we see it as a vital piece of what it means to be a faithful gospel witness. Gospel formation means using corporate, relational, and personal practices, which purposely form us into Christ-likeness. Gospel formation helps us to become more like Jesus. So first, we need, to, we need a reformed vision, and then we'll look at a reformed life. So, if we think about a reformed vision, reformed vision, a lot of us in this room, maybe myself included, are trying to lose a little weight. And, uh, you know, there's ways of going about that, right? Like, Uh, You can put a picture up of who you were and, you you know, kind of how you looked back in the day. And it reminds you and you're like, oh, that's a goal, you know. And then sometimes you can take a picture of your progress, right, like weekly or however you do that. You can also, like, follow different Instagram, like, or whatever social media, and where people are talking about fitness and you just kind of get it in your head, like what you should do and what they're doing. You start swimming in it, you know, kind of. You, you can have your calendar and put the goals up and, and start checking them off and what you're going to do. There's, there's, there's this visual that helps remember what your goal is who, who, you know, and, and, and what you set out to achieve. You could sign up on social like, running apps and exercise apps and see other people and what they're doing. And you're like, yeah, look at And then you post it on Facebook or whatever and how far you ran that day. And you're like, guys, look what I'm doing. But we need these visuals, right? We know we need reminded. We know we need to stay. It helps us to stay on course. I think 2 Peter, when we start getting into verse 3, really hits on that. Read with me. Actually, I'm going I'm, I'm to start in verse 3 later. on. Here we go. His divine power, giving us everything required for life and godliness, and here's how through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And by these, he's given us very great and precious promises so that through them, we may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Escaping those things that would pull us off. And so since the beginning of humanity, I mean, after the first humans didn't trust God, they rebelled against him, the trajectory of the human race has really been to reject God and to live in ways that would bring death, ways that would bring division, ways that would bring injustice to our planet, to our, to our existence. And we know that the world is broken. We know that we're also in the midst of a, a culture that is opposed to the things of God. And this brokenness, it it pervades our whole human experience. You can't escape it. We've all been shaped by something. It could be past trauma. It could be uh, your habits, your schedule, your hobbies. We're shaped by the people around us. We're shaped by the media we engage with. We're formed is another way of saying it. And you may be feeling those opposing forces. It almost as if there's a battle for your mind, your life, your heart. And even as Ephesians 2 talks about, the, the world, the devil, and even, even the flesh, like our sin nature, is opposed to God and his ways. And because of this reality, we need a reformed vision, Gulf Coast, and that's why this series is called Kingdom Imagination. We need a knowledge of God, and the knowledge isn't just taking in information, it's an understanding, it's an, an insight toward who God is, what he's done, and his promises. Why, though? it says it clearly in, 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 in 2 Peter here, so that we can share in his divine nature, not being trapped by the corruption or our world, particularly our, our evil desires, the evil desires all around us. And Jerry said last week, we have, a whole, we have to learn a whole new way of imagining the world. The problem is, the problem we have is when we imagine that when we pursue our evil desires, if we live for ourselves, if we are authentic, as we like to think about it, that we will find joy and peace, but it doesn't deliver. It just doesn't deliver. The scriptures, they, they, don't, they, they don't only promote like a, a, a mental acknowledgement of Jesus. Like, that, that is there. Like, we, we must learn of Jesus like in a way where we, we, we get it. We, we, we hear that information. And then it talks about a confession of faith, right? That, that, that's also an element. Like I confess that I follow God. But God, that's, that's not where it stops. See, God wants all of us. He wants our whole being. He wants us to be submitted to him and united with him sharing, as it says, in his divine nature. He wants our minds. He wants our bodies. He, he wants all of us to be reformed into his image and that includes our hearts that includes our desires it's our desires that control us as as Jerry mentioned last week so the question is how do we respond how do we respond when temptations and the opportunity of of, of, uh, the the opportunities that are around us whether it's negative or positive opportunities how do we respond to those in our lives it's it it's determined by our desires our desires determine what we do with what we're presented with and if we do not reflect the way jesus responded to various situations it's because our desires are not in line with his so we need a reformed vision our minds need re- renewed as romans 12:2 says do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, so we need to understand and guys, we need we need to believe who God is and what he's done. His promises to us, they're true. He's proven faithful to us time and time again. And this is the knowledge of God and his promises that Peter is talking about here. But we need to be reminded time and time again think of the Israelites that just constantly forget we're like you guys you lame brains but man we're just the same this is why when we gather on Sundays it's a time of corporate celebration worship reflection it's a time where we serve one another as well and one way is by reminding each other of who God is and what he's done and and his promises Peter says for us on Sundays, when we gather together, it's, it's, it's to tell a story. There's a counter-narrative going on here. It's a counter-narrative to what the world wants and lives and teaches. Just us simply gathering. Right here, all together, fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's a picture of what we read in Revelation. Where all the nations, tribes, and people gather around the throne room of God. And then all these celestial beings gather and they worship and bow down to the Lamb, to Jesus. He is the one. And we gather together in unity, proclaiming our allegiance to him. I took some stuff from Jerry's blog. Uh, he wrote uh, one on gospel formation. Um, but he also wrote uh, another one that I commend to you on um, gospel, gospel formation and culture. And uh, it's excellent. So check that out on our website, gcc.net. But let me read some things to you. The call to worship reminds us that it is God who calls us out of the world to worship him. So when we start our service, it reminds us that it is God who calls us out of this world to worship him. therefore, we use scripture, which it comes, we use scripture that, that bids us to come and worship. And it reminds us that God gathers us from the fields of harvest harvest where we labor all week, where we experience fellowship with one another and worship God. That's the call to worship. Now in song, as Jerry says, we proclaim the praises of God and the truths of what God has done, both to him and to one another. Ray Lynn exhorted us in that this morning. Thanks for that reminder, Ray Lynn. It builds our, our, our faith as we hear one another singing. We even have a a congregational mic uh, because it's not just those on the stage that are serving on Sunday. No, no no Christian should really be a a spectator, but instead we should serve each other with the gifts God has given us, and and maybe he has given you a prayer uh, for us as a congregation. Maybe he's given you an encouragement, a word of encouragement. That's why we have a mic. In prayer, as we pray, we have, we, the, someone up here normally leads us in prayer in some way. Often it's, it's call and response. We, you know, every, uh, we'll say something, and then everyone else will. We lift our voices in unison to pray. We're learning how to, how to pray biblically and, and, and also together, teaching one another how to pray. It's happening. That's it. And then uh, in our time of giving, we give in order to renounce the story that money is the supplier of what we need. God is our supplier, and and and, and, when, and when God's word is declared in, in different ways, and as, as also during this time, we're engaging and responding with affirmation. You get some amens. It's a way of reminding us that God's word is the food we ultimately need, as Jerry says. And in our affirmations, whether it's amen or yeah, or, you know, we encourage others to consider what was said. That very practice itself is a visual representation of the fact that our own reason is insufficient. We need God's word from our brothers or sisters from outside ourselves in order to know and be reminded of the true story of the world. We partake of the Lord's Supper. We're reminding ourselves of the food that truly satisfies the longing of our souls and we, remember, and we remember the kind of king who gave his life for us. And finally we end with a blessing from God. He sends us back into the harvest fields We're his image bearers, representing his kingdom in the world. Holy priesthood, mediating God's word and blessing, going into the world, interceding on their behalf. See, Sunday reforms, it reforms our vision. We need it. During the week, as we read and we we share uh, from the Bible, whether alone or with others, we're gaining a reformed vision as well. When we sing songs with others, we're reminded of the truths of God. When, when others act like Jesus toward us and in our presence, uh, maybe when someone's giving thanks to God, they're telling a story, a testimony, what God has done that week. We in turn, when, when they do that, we see the glory of God in them. It reminds us of who God is. It reminds us of what he do- who he's done. It reminds us of his promises. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the spirit. See, when we look and we see someone who is displaying the character of God, that's his glory showing to us as we look at them we see his glory in them we see his image reflected like a mirror in them back to us and we give praise to God our father and so when we when we make time when we engage in biblical community it reforms our vision we have to first acknowledge that we're being formed by someone or someone and we need a reformed vision that counters everything else that pushes against it. See, when I'm in, in, with my community group, uh, this week, you know, I'm just, I was reflecting back. Victoria shared a, pray, like a, a, th- a thing that she was thankfulness that God had been working in her life. I mean, I've been, that stirred me up all week. Brian has been praying and, and asking for God to help in some areas. I, I, pretty much every time like and it came up here the other day and asked for prayer and I'm just like man look at that guy's faith he's turning to Jesus over and over See, and, and we've, we've seen healing and help when my kids in, in group they, they, we ask them hey what, what, what can God do what, how can how can we pray and, and, and ask him to help you and there's been some some honest things that they've said and, and to be able to see them ask for prayer is a, is a display of God's, God somehow is grace upon them. Yeah. I was thinking even this week, like my wife, she's always, praise God, my wife has a great voice and she's always singing because she goes around the house and she's singing all the time and I'm just like, ah, oh, glory of the Lord. I mean, really, it, it stirs my heart up. And we go on and on and on and on, many of you, have how you've seen this in others. We need community. We need one another. It reforms our vision. So next, let's let's talk about a reformed life. Remember, he wants our whole being changed. I was thinking about this as well, and I heard this story way back, so I looked it up uh, a little bit about uh, the late Kobe Bryant. See, he was known to arrive first and to leave last. There's a story about how this in high school they found him like like practicing while the in the gym while all the lights were off. If he says this if your job is to be the best basketball player in the world, you have to practice. It's in those times when you get up early and you work hard, those times you stay up late and you work hard. There's times when you feel when you don't feel like working, you're too tired, you don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyway. That is actually the dream. If your job is to be the best basketball player in the world, you have to practice. Jerry referenced this last week. I think they say it in AA. Your best thinking got you here. Or you, or you could say the formation we've had in the past is now responsible for the life we each are living. We are all shaped by various things. And if our lives don't look like Jesus, it's because we've been formed by someone or something else and our desires are not in line with his. And so we have to first learn from Jesus who shows us how to live, and in turn, over time, our desires will be changed. We need to take on the practices of Jesus. And this process of changing us, of, of, of being formed to become more and, like, more and more like Jesus, it's not immediate. There's no instantaneous transformation. Sanctification is a process, or as I like to say, becoming like Jesus, it takes a lifetime. And that's okay. That's his design. It's also, it's a, it's a process that is not passive on our part. See, the Holy Spirit's at work first to even help us see who Jesus is and to receive from him. But there's this learning involved. There's this, there is effort that we are called to put into the process. Dallas Willard says grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. We can even see this in Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. By the way, that word um, endurance, steadfastness, I think that's a hint to, you know, during trials, who do we turn to? during hardships. And I could go on through this list, but for the sake of time, we will will not. But it's worth considering even the person of Jesus and how he lived these out. It says here, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. I do know about you. None of us who have committed to following Jesus want to be unfruitful. None of us want our lives to be wasted and not what they could be. None of us. It says here, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing of his past sins. He's, He's forgotten the promises of God, who God is, what he's done. So make every effort, verse 10, there it is again, effort, to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. And for in, the, for in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. See, there's no passivity here in, in Peter's words. Make every effort to grow in these areas. And we could spend a great, great deal of time reflecting and worshiping Jesus because of how he died or even how he died for us even while we were his enemies. I mean, that grace, that truth just, just boggles my mind. And then the thought that he was raised from the grave, defeating death, making it so that we can have new life, life eternal. But another major theme is Jesus' life, how he walked this earth. He lived in perfect obedience. His, his life, it was, it was a perfect obedience so he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, so we could have forgiveness of sins. But that wasn't the only purpose of his obedient life. He was born a baby. He took on the elements of humanity. He was 100% God. And as John 1 says, he dwelt among us. He lived, he lived life. He invited others to follow him, observe him, learn from him. And then he made sure to tell others to, to follow him and, do, and, and to show others how to follow him and do everything he commanded. John 14, 15 speaks of this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He goes on a little further, verse 19. In a, in a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I, because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I'm the Father. You are in me, and I am in you. Talk about unity. Unity right? You are, I'm in the Father, you are in me, I am in you. That's, that's God's presence. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will also love him, and I will reveal myself to him. So Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and, and not the world? Well, Jesus answers. I, if it doesn't really hit it, you, you kind of wonder. That's an interesting answer. You didn't really answer his question but if anyone loves me he will keep my word my father will love him he will come to him and make our home with him the one who doesn't love me will not keep my words see the emphasis there's a lot of emphasis here on keeping God's commands keeping his words knowing what he said and doing them lastly in verse 27 he says Right before that, I'll teach you all things. The, counsel, the Holy Spirit will remind you everything that I've told you. Peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He's left them everything they need everything need, they need for life and godliness. And He expects us to keep these commands. He'll be with us, He'll be in us, and teach us all that Jesus said, giving us peace. There's a new way of seeing, a new way of believing. It's a way of responding to this world, not troubled or fearful. And so we also know that in Matthew 28, 18, I mean, Jesus, by his authority, sends out his disciples to teach what all things that I have commanded you. Teach them to obey all things, not just teach them all things, right? Teach them to obey all things that I have commanded you, and I will be with you to the end of the age, I'll be with you from now into eternity. Eternity starting now and forevermore for those who would follow Jesus and be his children. See, discipleship at its basic core, as J.D. Greer says, is becoming more and more like Jesus and experiencing his life as it is lived through us. The act of disciple-making lies at the center of our task as the church. At its very heart, Christianity is a Jesus movement. One that seeks to consistently embody the life, teachings, and mission of the founder. In its utter simplicity, Christianity is all about Jesus. Therefore, we must constantly go back to Jesus. How did he live? What did he do? What were his primary teachings and rhythms of life? With whom did he spend his time? You see, we can learn from Jesus' life, and we can even learn from his spiritual practices. Jesus prayed. He talked to God sometimes in solitude and sometimes with people. He fasted. He read and memorized scripture. He rested on the Sabbath. He worshiped with others. He served people alongside others, and sometimes he did it in secret. He proclaimed the gospel and he he lived a, a simple and sacrificial life. I like to call these spiritual practices of Jesus habits of devotion because they're not to earn God's favor. Or, or even to achieve some measure of, of, of spiritual maturity it, 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 to, to, to kind of show off or to feel like, oh, I've, I've attained this goal in some way, but they're steady rhythms or patterns of life. And they're, they're patterns that Jesus had because he, just, he trusted and was devoted to God. And so if we're not experiencing the life and the joy and the, the, the peace of Jesus, it might just be because we're not following Jesus in these ways. We're not looking to his life and, and, and modeling, modeling our life after his. So in conclusion, a reformed vision and a reformed life, they're part of what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God provides all we need for life and godliness amidst this corrupt and broken world that's pulling against It's trying to form us away from God, contrary to the kingdom of God. But his divine power is at work through his Holy Spirit, giving us new life, giving us eyes to see God for who he truly is, particularly to to gaze at Jesus and see his beauty, his gospel, his love, his justice. And we're being shaped even during the hardships and trials we experience, but he wants all of us. God is at work conforming us into the image of Jesus, total transformation, and he's working because he's a God that dwells with his people. I mean, he comes and and takes residence inside of us. He's a God who, 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 who seeks relationship with us. He promises to give us his very presence. And we can experience what Jesus experienced The presence of God as he walked in perfect obedience to the will of God. But to be sure, we will not walk in perfect obedience, right? Only Jesus could do that. But we can move closer and closer to this path that Jesus set before us. As our minds and our actions are are reformed and our hearts and our desires are transformed. The question is, do you believe this? I want to share this quote with you. I think it gets to the heart of this um, we follow a doctor's advice because we are convinced that it will bring about positive results. And we follow Jesus' avi- advice because we are convinced that it will bring positive results. And we follow Jesus' because, Jesus's advice because we are convinced that he's the smartest man who ever lived and that his words bring Life. Therefore, his way of living is not a burden, but the way of joy and satisfaction. A command given without the means of fulfilling it is just a law. But Jesus has given us commands and the means, that's grace given through a pattern of living, that will change us. The change enables us to obey his commands more and more and also conform to the deepest longings of our hearts. Christ provides access into a relationship with him transforms us through the relationship, and then affects a still greater union in that relationship. Do we trust Jesus? Do we trust the way he lived? Should we follow him? I want to leave us with this question today. Have we tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Happy is the person who takes refuge in him, the psalmist says. When you look at Matthew 6, he says these things such as, don't worry about the cares of this life. Don't worry about what clothes you will wear. Don't worry about the the food you will eat. I mean, he's clothed the flowers. He's he's feeding the birds. He says, seek first the kingdom of God of God and his righteousness and all these things will be, be provided for you. We'll do anything to be clothed and fed, right? Those are the things we need and desire. Yet here we're told to prioritize the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does it look like to strive and prioritize the ways of Jesus? Have we sought after? Have we made every effort to follow Jesus as we go after those necessities of clothes and food? Do we prioritize following Jesus more than even that? God provides all things for life and godliness, and ultimately he's provided Jesus, the new Adam, the new human he lived the perfect life of obedience and died the death we deserve. He raised from the grave, making a way for us to have new life, eternal life with God. And that's not a far and distant place, that eternal life. That's right here. Like He's, he's changing our life now to look like him, to live like him, and to experience that which he's promised us to experience. So let's consider, church, how are we being formed? How are we being formed during the week? It's when we trust and submit to the rule and reign of God following his ways that we'll experience the life, joy, and peace that God promises and we'll become more and more like Jesus in this broken world. So let's pray to that end. Father, we we are your people. There are many in this room that... um, want to follow you, are following you. I've followed you for years. And I ask, we ask that that we would taste and know that you are good. Do a work in us, God. Form us into your image. And may the world see it. Help us, one another, to stir one another up to love and good works. Give us us a a faith, a confidence to kind of even break through the awkwardness, God, at times. To share what you've been doing without reservation so that we can give a reformed vision to those around us so we can mirror Christ to others. God, for those in this room who are having a hard time like dwelling in your presence, pausing and directing their life in a way that would follow after your ways, God, would you give them a a new sense of faith, a a new sense of of, of direction, of of your promises, God, of who you are, what you've done, what you've called them to. And will you help us, God, as we we say we trust you we help us to trust you and walk in your ways as a church may we just as as uh, people uh, gather and help each other uh, run a race together or lose weight together whatever it is may we help one another to walk in your ways God just lead us we pray May may we be a gospel formed church and a faithful gospel witness for this generation and the next do that work Amen.